This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. So tonight I want to bring a message to you, and I don't have time to uh, couch it very well because I'm going to go straight into it. But I want to talk to you about something I spoke about late last year uh, before I... Uh, before the end of the year. And I, and I felt it was a prophetic word. I still think it's prophetic. And I, I want to go back over some of that ground, but from a different angle. And it's talking about from wilderness to promise. And uh, it's, it's from survival to conquest or survival to war. W- wisdom and revelation, but actual combat, war. And here's what we have to understand. The mindset of the wilderness is different than the mindset of the promised land. We need to figure out how it relates to how we do warfare, how we do move in wisdom and revelation. And we need to learn that when we are transitioning, we're moving from survival to depend- and, and dependency that's in the wilderness to war in the promised land. The, the promised land is full of war. Many Christians do not want to go into the promised land. They say they do, but when they see the enemy, they want to stay slaves. Just tap your neighbor and say, I think he might be talking to someone that's not here tonight. (laughs) Amen? So God's purpose for taking the children of Israel from bondage into the promised land was to make them into a nation. You have to understand, they they were not a nation. They were slaves. They were under subjection. They had no leadership. Before that, they were just nomads. And they had a father, Jacob. Now they've grown to nearly 4 million in, in, in strength. But they're slaves. They've been under oppression. They are slavish in their mentality. There is no government. They're all told what to do. They, none of them can think for themselves. None of them can act for themselves. And when they do, they only think like a slave thinks. What's in it for me? American handshake. You know, when you do a deal with somebody and you're trying to cut the deal, then this comes up. What's in it for me? And if you think like that, if it's all about you, you're a slave. You're still slavish in your mentality. You see, when you come to a place where you live in the kingdom, you know that you have all things, you have all sufficiency, and it's no longer what's for me. It's what does God want me to do in this, and I know he'll take care of my needs. So in Exodus, he's making them a people. And we see in Exodus 6 and verses 6 through 8, he says, Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people, and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who brings you out from under the burdens of Egypt, or the Egyptians. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. Boy, that word heritage means a lot to me. Uh, I was in England with my son Jonathan, and uh, one day we went to a chiropractor, and, and across the road from the chiropractor, there was this little park. I think I've told you this before, but it, it's just struck me now. And, and, and there's there this little iron gate and fence around this park, you know, and it was quite large. It was for, I mean, for, for London, it was quite big, and I thought, well, I wonder what that is. So I said, John, let's go over and look at that. And we walked in, and we opened this creaky gate, and we walked up to this monument, and there's this guy's name on it, and a date of birth and a date of death, and that's all. There's no explanation who he is, and so I Google him. Well, I mean, this is a little-known person. It doesn't really say much about the guy. I'm thinking, 
And God speaks to me right there. He says, many men build monuments to themselves. At that time, the message in the body of Christ was legacy. Everybody was preaching about you have to leave a legacy. You must have a legacy. And even I was preaching legacy. And I thought, you know, what will my legacy be? What will I be remembered for? What will people think of me? And I thought, well, they'll think of this building. They'll think of it. And, and, I, and, that's, and that, back when we were building the building, I was thinking, man, I think I'll leave a legacy. And God spoke to me again. He says, I don't want you to leave. Isn't it? He says, I want you to leave a heritage. You see, a heritage is an inheritance. A heritage is not for you. It's not about you. It's about what the next generation does. It's about what somebody else does. And as long as you're thinking about you, you're thinking about your legacy. As long as you're thinking about you, you're thinking about some monument to yourself. And that's slavish mentality, by the way. God wanted to break that off his people and said, no, no, no. No longer do you think about yourself. No longer do you think about your legacy. No longer do you think about who you are after the Egyptians. I will make of you a great nation. But they couldn't hear it. See, his intent was to redeem them and bring them back into the original state that he had made mankind. That was found in Genesis 1, chapter 26 and 27, or 28. It says, and then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the creeping things that creep on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And, he, and you might notice it was male and female, he created them. Male and female, God created them. There's only male and female. I just want to get real clear. There's only there is no transgender. That's the figment of a fallen man's imagination. I'm a man, but I feel like a woman, so I can compete against a woman and break every record, but that's okay because I, I feel like I'm a woman, so I must be. That is a perverse mind. That is a broken society. Ask any honest scientist what the genetic code is, and he'll say there are only male and female. And your genes tell you what that is. Y and X chromosomes. God created us that way. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every creeping thing or every living thing that moves upon the earth. God's purpose for you and I was to have dominion. Now, many people have perverted that. They think it's dominion for themselves. I'm big. I'm powerful. So they can have a what? A monument or a legacy. No, God wants you to have a heritage. God wants you to leave something that lasts and outlasts you. Now, the Lord spoke to Moses in Numbers chapter 33, and he said this, verses 50 through 53. Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak. Well, I'll tell you what, if ever this is a, the, a time to speak something, now is the time to start speaking. Speak to the children of Israel. Say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants. You shall have war. You're going to go to war. You shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Destroy all of their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images and demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it. For I have given you the possession of the land. Now, many people love the idea of this, but they don't like the actual doing of it. Many of you as Christians have loved the idea of having the promised land, of having dominion. 
But boy, I'll tell you what, all it takes is for somebody to push back a little bit on you. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, you go to that church. Oh, that's where they call everybody deacon or elder. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, all right. All right. Hey, listen, churches move, we change, but you had better begin to have an argument. You better come to a place where you can, because I'll tell you what, that kind of gossip, that kind of destruction is killing the body of Christ. We need to stand up for each other. We need to stand up and fight the fight. Stand for the Word of God. I'm sorry. The time is now. The time to speak is now. Moses spoke. He spoke about dominion. Take dominion. Fight the fight. Have a warfare. He also spoke about fruitfulness. In Exodus 23, 30, he says, Little by little I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and possessed the land. Boy, let me tell you something. If ever I've learned something about the kingdom of God, it's little by little. When I watch it in some of your lives. Now, if you don't turn red, don't turn to the right or left. Don't sneeze, cough, or anything. Nobody will know I'm talking about you. But how many of you got your big check, your grant, your loan? You, you, you talked the bank into giving you money, and you, you misused it. You were rich for a week. You were rich for a year. You were rich for 10 years. But what do you have to show for it today? Oh, you may still have a house, but have you been able to maintain it? You obtained it. Did you maintain it? Did you build the kingdom or did you just build something? And is your testimony still back there 30 years ago, 25 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years, 15, 10 years ago? Well, this, I was a big deal 10 years ago. Yeah, you were a big deal 10 years ago. What have you done lately? Are you living in the kingdom? Are you living in the promised land or did you, are, are you still the guy that got the miracle? But it wasn't real. It wasn't really you. It was something that God did and he could have built in you. You see, the wilderness in all of our lives, for the Israelites and for us, was important in order to change and transform the Israelites and to change us into the people, that, into His people. It was meant to remove the slavish mentality and to make them His people. It was to remove them from being slaves in their thinking and to have, instead of a slave mentality or a servant mentality, a son mentality. God has always desired a father and son relationship with those he's called to be his people. It's amazing how the slavish mentality grips the heart of people. Even though they say they're sons, or even they call themselves servants. And I think of often of the prodigal son. You know, the, the prodigal goes away. And what's he, what does he say when he wants to come back? He says, hey, I'll just go back and try to be a servant. See, God's dealing with his heart because God's trying to, God's working in him. God doesn't care how much you have or don't have. God's interested in what's the condition of your heart. So the prodigal son comes to his senses in a far and distant land, far away from God. You can be right here and be far away from God. You can be here tonight. You can be right there online listening, but your heart's far from God. And it's time to come home. So from a far and distant land in the spirit, he comes to his senses. He says, I'll go back to my father. And I'll say, I'll just he become a slave to the enemy. And now all he can see himself is as a slave in his father's house. If I could do that, at least I get food enough to eat. Of course, the father, representing our heavenly father, says, forget it. Kill the fatted calf. Put a robe on his back. And for many of you, you think that, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, that you become prodigal. and You're so far away from God that God can never forgive you. No, 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 no. All you need to do is come to your senses and you need to come back home. Some of you, is, amen, give the Lord a hand. Some of you are avoiding church. 
because of where you see yourself right now. You're in the pigsty, and you don't think God can get you out. I'm going to tell you something. Come to your senses. Get back home. We'll help clean you up, okay? We'll kill the robe. We'll, we'll kill the fatted calf. We'll put a robe on your back. We'll put a ring on your finger. We'll put shoes on your feet. We'll help you get cleaned up, and we'll reinstate you back into the body of Christ. But on the other hand, you also have the faithful son. Oh, you right? And listen to his heart. Also a slave. Oh, you've never even given me so much as a lamb. I've served you my whole life. See, but you've served him as a slave. You've served as God out of duty. you served him for all the wrong reasons and never as God designed you to serve him in the liberty of his kingdom. It's all yours, God said. Hey, it was all yours. You could have had a lamb. Hey, it's yours. You could have had anything you wanted. You never asked for it. You have not because you ask not, and when you do, you ask amiss. You see, there's a difference between wilderness and the promised land, and the difference is warfare. The promised land is different. It's a place of warfare. It's where, the, it's where we have to engage our enemies. Oh, there were battles fought in the wilderness. Don't get me wrong. I, I remember, I, I read the Bible. I know that there were a few battles that were fought. I remember when Moses held his hands up, but it was a miraculous battle. Whenever his hands were up, the uh, Amalekites were in defeat. When his hands were down, uh, Joshua and, and the armies were running scared. But the reason that God allowed those battles was he had to train his people for the next phase. He wasn't really training the people because they're all going to die. He only had to train Joshua, who would lead the people into the promised land. He had to train them how to fight. Exodus 17 says it this way. Now, Amalek came and fought Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. We see another battle. As they enter into the promised land, it's a little bit different. Now Jericho, Joshua 6, verses 1 through 5, Jericho was secure, securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all of you, and all of you men of valor, all of you men of war, and shall go all around the city once. This you should do for six days. And seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horn before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Well, I'll tell you what, can you see the difference? One is God fighting the enemy. This is... God going to bring a victory, but every man is going to have to go and fight the enemy. Every man has to go straight up where they are, and they're still an enemy, but God's going to bring, God's going to do a miracle. He's going to bring the wall down, but you're going to have to deal with the enemy. God's not going to fight that battle. Tap your neighbor and say, I'm ready for an enemy. Well, if you're not, then you're still in slavery. Maybe tap your neighbor and say, I still like that idea of the wilderness. I'll just stay in wilderness here. Exodus 17, verses 1 through 4 says, Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and they camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you've brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
So my, Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Now, can you see the mentality of a slave? Gimme, gimme, my name is Jimmy. Who's going to give me water? Who's going to give me food? Who's going to give me quail? Who's going to give me? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Who's going to take care of me? That's how some of you are. You want the government to take care of you. You still want the government to take care of you. Everything we ask for. Oh, yeah, let's see what the government says. The government isn't going to help you. They're not helping. If you haven't noticed yet. It's only been 40 years that they've been in power. They're not helping. They can't help. They're plunderers. The Bible talks about plunderers. They're slave mentality. They're slavish. They can only think about themselves. They're building fancy houses and they're building. What's amazing is they can't even spend it in this country, but you should see them outside the country. They live lavishly. Joshua 6, 2 through 7, and the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. Whoops, I said that, didn't I? I don't need to do that again. Let's talk about the wilderness for just a second. I've got to move quickly here. The wilderness relies on acts of God. Whereas the promised land is when you know the ways of God. Psalm 103 said, He made known His ways to Moses, but His acts to the children of Israel. So many Christians will settle for an act of God. They'll run to some prophet. They'll run to some apostle. They'll run to some great ministry, and that prophecy will, that guy will tell you your phone number, and you think, oh, I've just got the most. I don't understand, but I I already know my phone number. So I don't know what's so important about that. Give me something I can use. Give me the lottery numbers. (laughs) Just just joking, just joking. So the, the point being, If you're still slavish in your mentality, you're looking for somebody else to deliver you. You're looking for God to deliver you. You're looking for a miracle all the time. In Exodus 14, 11, it says, And then they said to Moses, Because there there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so with us to bring us up out of Egypt? And see, this is the mentality of a slave. You know, God can't take care of me. We're going to die in the wilderness. God's leading you. God led you. And all of a sudden you get where you're supposed to go. And it's like, now you're doubting. Maybe God God didn't say. Well, did did he or didn't he? Are you hearing the voice of the Father or aren't you? Did you hear the voice of the Son or didn't you? Where he guides, he provides. When I was a young Christian, we used to say, where you lead me, I will follow. What you feed me, I will swallow. <laughs> Listen to Caleb. I love this guy. Boy, this is my prayer. This is my prayer. I saw my dad. He's 92 years old. And I'm thinking, he's still as strong as he's ever been. I'm saying, that, that's, a, that's what I want. That, that's me. But here's Caleb. He was 85. He says, now, then, just as the Lord promised... Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved through the wilderness. So here I am today at 85 years old. I'm still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me the hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard when 
that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as He said. Well, I'll tell you what, 40, almost 50 years ago, God gave me a word about coming to this country. I have not seen it come to pass. But I am as strong today as I was when He gave me that word. I will yet see the enemy defeated. I will yet be in that battle. And I am not prepared to back down. I am prepared to fight. In the wilderness, God was using the situation to those slavishly minded Hebrews to begin to have an appreciation and an establishment of identity. God needed to get them an identity of who they were. They were defined by their masters. They were defined by their labor, but they were not defined by who God made them to be. In the promised land, walking in and having confidence in their identity is what made them great. We are the sons of God. We are the children of God. We have possessed a land of our own. The wilderness is called is a call to a purpose. The promised land is walking in that purpose, walking in a purpose. Wilderness is outside risking to a miracle provision, always governing you, looking to a Moses, looking to a miracle provision. The promised land is internal responsibility, governed from within, governed by your choices, governed by decisions. The wilderness is routine, and it's almost predictable. Manna every morning, move when the cloud moves, etc., etc. But the promised land is dynamic. You can't live in the promised land by routine. The promised land is every morning you need to hear what God's saying. Every day you got to do what God tells you to do. There's, there's a responsibility. I can't just take it for granted. I've got, a, I've got an enemy to fight, and, and I may fight him one way today, and I'll fight him another way tomorrow. The wilderness is reiteration of the promise. We keep talking about the promise. You know, God promised, God promised. The promised land is a manifestation of the promise. Amen. Wilderness revelation. What does that look like? Well, there was some revelation that they received in the. They saw themselves not as liberated slaves, but as victorious sons. Sons of the promise, sons of an inheritance. Well, I'll tell you, there's a huge difference between that. There are many Christians today that live as liberated slaves. They see them still as slaves, though, but we're, we're free, but we're still in bondage. They don't see themselves as sons, possessors of all things, inheritors of everything. In the wilderness, they knew that manna would be there every day, but in the promised land, they had to seek for a strategy. They had to seek for a direction for battle to plunder their enemies. How are we to make war in this session or in this season? We'll give you Five ways. Number one, in the word of the year, I talked about the word halak, H-A-L-A-K. And that's a word that means to walk with God. We see Enoch walked with God. We, we see many people in the Bible, they walked with God. Enoch walked with God and was no more. Abraham walked with God. Uh, these are people that received promise. These are people that received uh, their inheritance. In the Old Testament, Joshua worked and walked with God, and he would receive wisdom and revelation on how to war, wisdom and revelation on how to war with the different enemies that they faced. Jericho had to march around the city for seven days, seven times on the last day. 
I, they had to set ambushes for the city. Each place was different. If you study that, it's an amazing story in obedience. It's a, that, that all those 31 kings that he defeated, not, one of, not two of them were the same. Not two battles were the same. It was, a, it was an amazing teaching on obedience, on doing what God told you to do, going up against the enemy and defeating your enemies. The second thing is speaking. This year's, or this decade is the year of speaking, the decade of speaking. Last decade was the decade of war, or the, the decade of hearing, or seeing, I should say, seeing, and war, the sword. This, year is the, this decade is the year of speaking. 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. Well, let me tell you something. It's time to speak. That's why I believe these mask mandates are of the devil. It's ridiculous. You know, now the reports are coming out. Now the reports are finally coming out. Masks are useless. They're proving it. The virus is one micron. The masks that most of you are wearing are six to ten microns. It's like shooting BBs through a chain link fence. It's not stopping anything. The only way to stop a virus is a hazmat suit. Go do your own research. I know some of you woke up for the first time in two years. It's ridiculous. I was in, I was in Chicago, and all these people had masks on. A droplet of water is about five microns. They're breathing through their mask, and these... Every time they breathe, the, 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 the vapor is going through their mask. Now, if that can go through, if the water vapor that carries the virus can go through the mask, I'm going to tell you something, the virus is going through as well. Now look at all the respiratory diseases that are happening because people have had masks on. Just do the research. Do the homework. All I'm saying is I believe that it was prophetic that the year of speaking... The decade of speaking, somebody had the bright idea, the devil had the bright idea, put masks on everybody so they can't speak. I believe that we have heard. This is the year to hear the voice of the Son who speaks when he hears his Father speaking. And I believe the Word, and I believe that what he speaks, I need to speak. I need to hear what he says, and I need to speak it. Slaves don't speak. They murmur. They complain. They complain about their mountain, whereas sons speak to their mountain. Mark eleven twenty three says, For assuredly I say to you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he'll have whatsoever he says. But well, do you believe that? Well, then listen to what you're saying. Because I'm sick and tired of hearing oh, the fear. More people have died of fear than they have of COVID. The third thing we need to do is live by faith. And I've taught enough about faith in this church that I won't go there tonight. The fourth thing is we need to enter into his rest. This is a Shemitah year. Hebrews 4 verses 1 through 3 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest, his shimitar, still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. 
For we also know that the good news proclaimed to us just we also know that the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. See, the message is the same, but there's the difference. Those who obey and those who don't. Now, we who have believed enter into that rest, just as God said. So I declare on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. Let me tell you something. Jesus died before the foundation of the earth. Jesus paid for it all. And once you hear his voice, you can stand on his word. You can know that you can, you can go to the bank on it because his word is true. But if you have other voices, and those voices get too strong, some of you have more CNN than you do Bible. Some of you sit there and you fill yourself with fear. You have eight hours a day of this. That's the average today. Average person, eight hours a day or more of what God only knows what this is. I challenge you during this, uh, we've just come off of our fast, but I'm challenging you that you fast this for a while. And instead of listening to this for eight hours, at least give half that time to God. See what that would do to you. Amen. And the last thing is that we engage. We engage, and engaging, that's warring according to prophecy. The Bible says that we're to war according to the prophecies that are spoken to us. And in Joshua 14, again, it's a very powerful verse. It says, now, then, just as the Lord promised. Well, I'll tell you what, how many of you have had promises that you haven't seen come to pass yet? How many of you had a word from God and you knew the world today? Oh. Just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. But I'll tell you, that's a powerful scripture. He says, I will drive them out just as you said. Give me my land. Give me my promise. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not faint. And they shall, they shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. My time's up. I wanted to elaborate on that rest. Because some of you need rest. Some of you just have lost that rest in the Lord. You're anxious. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. You're worried. You've become prayerless. You've become wordless. Your word levels are low. Boy, I'll tell you, that's, that's, that's frightening. And I'll tell you, we need more than ever to build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. We need this prayer conference this week more than we've ever needed anything. We need this fellowship with each other more than we've ever needed anything. The enemy has divided us. The enemy has kept us apart. The enemy has kept us from fellowshipping. And that is the work of the enemy. The church is the salt. The church is the light to every nation. And when you do something, that's the devil. And I don't care if it comes in the form of a mandate. I don't care how it comes. God has called us. We are the church. We are a government. The church is a government. It's time we stand up and act like that. I want to encourage you tonight to get a backbone, to get some courage, to get ready for war, because there's going to be warfare. And there's casualties in war, I know that. But if you're not willing to stand for something, you'll fall for anything. If you're not willing to die for what you believe, then it's not worth living for. Helen Keller said it this way. She says there is, they asked her, what does it feel like to be blind? 
What could be worse than being blind? She says, what's worse than being blind is not being able to see. Listen to that. There are many people that can see with their eyes, but they can't see. They don't see by the Spirit. They don't really see. I want to encourage you. Let God open your eyes this weekend. Be ready to fight the fight. Be ready to be bold. Now, wherever you're at, if you're listening online, I want to encourage you. This is a time to be serious. This is a time to be sober. This is a time to pray. This is not a time to dissipate the anointing. This is not a time to be lax or cynical or fearful. This is really the time to press in. Press in to God. God says, if you seek me, you'll find me. God said he'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. Boy, those are great promises. But he's looking to make you not a slave, but a son or a daughter. So wherever you're at, if you're, if you're listening online, before we sign off with you, there's a phone number right there. You may need to just buckle up and say something. Your faith has come to your heart, and you need to say what you believe. Pick up the line and just tell somebody, hey, I've made a decision tonight. I'm, I'm coming back to church. I've made a decision. I'm going to serve God with my whole heart. I've made a choice. And then get back here. Get back in church. Get back in your church. If you're listening from somewhere else, get back in church. Get back in fellowship. Make those choices. Make those decisions. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you just say, man, I, I, I'm what you described. I, I'm slavish in my mentality. I'm bound up. I, I don't know what to do. I just feel so fearful. I'm so bound up. I don't know what to believe. There's so much disinformation, so much misinformation. There's so much fear out there. I've had people die. I, yeah, I know that. And I, and I feel very, very sorry. And I'm not making light of a death. I'm not making light of a sickness. But we can't continue to shut down nations. More people have died of suicide in our country than they have of COVID. Think about that. Our children are dying by not being in school. They're dying in their minds. They're dying in their emotions. Don't learn remotely. Children need social contact. So do you and I. God made us social creatures. Whatever your need is, pick up that phone. There's somebody on the line right now. They're willing to pray with you. They're willing to get you to a counselor. They're willing to get you to a pastor. Whatever you might need, they're willing to do that with you right now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait for 15 minutes. Don't wait until, because uh, the devil will talk you out of it. Act upon what you believe. We'll be there for you. And if you can, come and be with us tomorrow, all day, all day Saturday. And then each night, Friday, Saturday nights, Sunday morning, we have a great program. You're more than welcome to be back in church. We love you. Now, for those of you that are here, I know our time is up. Some of you have to catch a bus. You have to catch a combi. You have to go. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask you all to stand, wherever you're at. Just stand. If you can stay, I'd like you to stay because we have pastors and leaders that are going to meet you right here at the front of the church. By the way, Saturday, I'm going to be praying for five specific needs. Five, tomorrow night, I'll tell you what those five things are. You don't want to miss Saturday night. I'm going to pray. Five, I'm going to be short in my word, but long in prayer. I believe that we can break the power of some things over your lives. Some of you need that. Some of you need to be released. And I'll tell you what, I believe that the prayer of faith 
The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we're going to pray with you. We're going to be praying for you. Right now, if you're here and anything I've said tonight has struck a chord in your heart, anything that says, man, I'm slavish. I need to get that broken off of me. I want to make a decision. I want to make a choice. Get out of your seat and come up here right now. Make that choice. Say, I'm coming. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk out of that slavish mentality into a promise, into my promised land. I've been fearful. Let's get that fear broken off of you. I've been, whatever it is, whatever's hindered you, whatever stopped you, whatever's beginning to, that has kept you in the wilderness. It's a year of promise. It's a year to speak. It's a year for boldness. So quickly, get out of your seats. Come on, come on. Let's worship as we do. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.